Welcome to Always West Seattle, the podcast where the people, places, happenings, and history of West Seattle intersect. I'm your host, Keith Bacon. In this episode, we're doing what's known as a feed drop, where we plop an episode of a different podcast into the feed for this one. And as this different podcast is all about food, it's perfect for a feed drop. And there's definitely some crossover connection that I'm excited to share with you, my always West Seattle audience. For starters, both podcasts were made by me, Keith Bacon. Woo! So you know it's got to be good, right? My new podcast is called Field to Fork, and it's a deep dive into the local food systems of the Puget Sound region. I'll be talking with farmers, chefs, and everyone in between to find out how great local food comes to be and gets to you. And there are plenty of West Seattle stories along these lines that I'm excited to sink my teeth into. The first episode of Field to Fork has West Seattle roots in a homegrown business known as Farm Box Greens. Farm Box Greens was founded in 2012 by a West Seattle couple growing microgreens and culinary herbs in a unique process known as vertical farming. And for a while, this farming operation was based in a 500-square-foot West Seattle garage. You may have also encountered Farm Box Greens in its early days at the West Seattle Farmer's Market. In October 2016, Farm Box Greens was acquired by Seattle-based distributor Charlie's Produce and is now selling its products to thousands of customers from its new location in Soto. For more of the Farm Box Greens story, stick around for the debut episode of Field to Fork. And if you've got stories you think would make a great topic for either podcast, find us on Facebook and Instagram at Field to Fork Podcast and Always Podcast. Welcome, food lovers. This is the Field to Fork podcast, where we get to know the people and processes that play an essential role in building a vibrant, sustainable, and inclusive local food economy. I'm your host, Keith Bacon. Field to Fork is sponsored by Charlie's Produce, delivering fresh ideas and fresh produce for over 40 years with a passion for quality products and a commitment to pushing beyond the boundaries of possibility to get good food to good people. Learn more about the ways that Charlie's Produce is cultivating fresh by visiting their website, charliesproduce.com. Field to Fork is also brought to you by Seattle Restaurant Week, a program of Seattle Good Business Network. This biannual dining promotion is a unique opportunity to support Greater Seattle's culinary community, celebrating diversity, resilience, and fantastic food with over 200 participating restaurants. Find out what's cooking for Seattle Restaurant Week, October 24th through November 6th by visiting srweek.org. In this episode of Field to Fork, we aim high for an in-depth exploration of vertical farming, a process currently underway not in a remote corner of farm country, but in a very urban area of Seattle known as Sodo. Here among the warehouses and industrial parks of Soto sits the headquarters of Farm Box Greens, an innovative operation that got its start in a residential garage. For more of the Farm Box Greens story, we talked with two of the modern-day farmers working there bringing fresh ideas to the table. Let's start with some introductions. Tell us who you are, your role, and how long you've been with Farm Box Greens. All right. My name is Emily Blessington. My role at Farmbox is operations manager, and I've been with the company for a little over three years. And my name is Ryan Rotoro. I am currently the production manager, and I've been with uh, Farmbox and Charlie's for a little over two years. 
And so what's the history of FarmBox? How and where did it start? It starts with Dan Albert and his wife, Lindsay, in 2012. And they started the company in a small office space in Georgetown. And then they moved the operation to their garage in their West Seattle home. They did everything from going to their local farmer's markets to cold calling chefs, asking if they'd like to try their samples. And they made connections with individuals in the Seattle area. And that's led us to where we are now. I remember when they used to be at the West Seattle Farmer's Market, because I live right by there and go there all the time. And they've come a long way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's for sure. It was always a a pleasure to stop and talk with them, too, because they they were very enthusiastic about what they were doing and the way that they were doing it. So it's cool to see what's happened with FarmBox. How did the partnership with Charlie's Produce come about? And what did that mean for FarmBox Greens? So from my knowledge, not being Dan Albert, but carrying (laughs) on the legacy... Farmbox Greens was featured in an article in the New York Times, and uh, Charlie Billow, who is the CEO of Charlie's Produce, noticed it and met with Dan. And after that meeting, Charlie's acquired Farmbox and then partnered with them to use Charlie's scale and large distribution network to be able to produce and sell and distribute a lot more microgreens. Also, to be like an epicenter in the Soto area of Seattle, sending greens to all these restaurants in the downtown and surrounding areas so that they were super fresh and very low miles. So sometimes bigger is better. (laughs) Sometimes, especially when you're scaling something that involves a lot of piping and electricity and lights. And it, it does seem to help to be at a certain size to really make the right amount and the right amount of profit. I didn't even think about the the Soto location being so important and valuable for something like that to reach all the restaurants. It certainly wouldn't be good to be in West Seattle right now with our bridge out. (laughs) Yeah, true. You'd have to do it by helicopter. (laughs) What personally drew each of you into this line of work? What draws me personally to this kind of work is my passion for local food systems environmental sustainability, connecting with my coworkers, and honestly just getting my hands dirty. And yeah, those are the things that give me some joy. And as for me, I was drawn to food from the angle of growing, uh, getting a degree in marine biology, a, mm-hmm. like also the biological sciences, and then growing up with a, a dad who was a chef and a mom who was a florist, and uh, having a lot of love and respect for local fresh produce, and then kind of combining all those things together and uh, coming back to live in Seattle where I was born and raised, I still wanted to farm, but I wanted to live in Seattle, not necessarily two hours away. And then also kind of wanted to avoid the coldest and hottest days of the year working (laughs) out in the field. So it's perfect. It's a, a balmy 72 every day on the farm in our location. I think you have to get up pretty early in the morning to work on a, a real farm. Yeah, I think so. I wouldn't say that we get up late, but we don't yeah. get up at four. So that's nice. <laughs> Emily, uh, what you said about sustainable local food systems, that's also a focus of the Seattle Good Business Network's Good Food Economy Program, which also includes Seattle Restaurant Week and is part of the reason that we're talking here today. So it's always exciting to hear people's saying that that is something that they're working towards and supporting. Yeah, it's a big driver for me, for sure. So let's get to the greens. Mm -hmm. What varieties do you grow at FarmBox? We grow microgreens and micro culinary herbs of all types. We grow for retail as well as food service. For our retail customers, we grow arugula, we grow micro mix, which is a mustard blend. 
We grow uh, broccoli, radish mix, and pea shoot microgreens. And then for our food service customers who are participating in a Seattle Restaurant Week, we grow arugula, micro-intensity mix, broccoli, pea shoots, Italian basil, cilantro, wasabi mustard, and uh, red vein sorrel microgreens. Wow, that's a lot. It is. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have different seasons for growing different greens? How do you decide what's on the farm and what's going out to people? Yeah, we do have somewhat different seasons. We have definitely our base the micro mix that we're always doing and certain other things that we don't really change from. But we do have other things that we'll bring in seasonally. We have had definitely an interesting last couple of years um, with COVID and how that affected restaurants who are, sure. again, our main customers. With that downtime, we also had uh, a lot more room on the farm to experiment and try new things. So we tried doing popcorn shoots. It's very nice look on the plate. It's nice and straight and bright yellow, which is not a thing you often get on food. And that one was uh, an interesting one to grow. You have to grow it in the dark to keep it <laughs> yellow and sweet instead of turning <laughs> into like a grass. So that was very fun and a bit labor intensive, uh, but it was mm -hmm. cool to do. Um, we also tried some nasturtium shoots. Uh, we did mm. fennel microgreens for Mother's Day. So we try to think about what matches the season a bit. And as we're moving into a season, we try to predict a month out. Okay, like now as we transition into September, coming into fall, that would be the time to think about the corn shoots again. Although, again, it was quite labor intensive. So I don't yeah. know if we're going to go back there. But then when we go into spring again, we trialed some borage microgreens. We did nasturtiums, which would be nice, fennel, uh, marigold that adds a different flavor. So mm -hmm. um, we try these things and think about the dishes that people are going to feature and all of that. We control our climate and environment, but we're thinking about everybody else right. who is at the whim of Mother Nature and try to match them. So you want to be in season, even though you don't have to be. At the time when you might be planting nasturtiums, so mm -hmm. are we. It's just... We're not planting them outside. <laughs> yeah. Your spreadsheet game must be very strong. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> the Excel skills have grown. I'm curious also about the popcorn greens. Did it taste like popcorn or how did that turn out at that experiment? So it doesn't taste like popcorn. It tastes like the sweetest part of a kernel of corn. Mm. So the shoot will have a bright yellow sort of grass-like leaf and then it will have the whitish base that is coming out of the kernel. That'll mm -hmm. be super saccharine sweet. Wow. Yeah, so it's a very interesting flavor combo. And again, like the look is so good for, yeah. for chefs putting it on a plate. That sounds cool. Uh, describe this particular method of growing that happens at Farmbox Greens. What's involved with that? At Farmbox Greens, we use vertical farming technology. Uh, techniques, I should say, in combination with resource-efficient hydroponics to grow our microgreens. So inside the farm, we create a controlled environment by monitoring things like the air temperature, the carbon dioxide levels, the water temperature, humidity, and air circulation in order to provide the optimum environment for our crops to grow. So this process creates a consistent product year-round in less time than it would be needed uh, if we were growing them outdoors. All the crops get the same nutrient and light regimen, but we do change how long the germination and grow period is depending on the crop. Uh, we harvest five days a week now, and we plant every day. And we also have moved the germinated crops 
onto the system daily and we hand water the germinating crops that we keep undercover until they are ready to go onto the system. Mm-hmm. So that is our whole way to grow. That's amazing. It sounds like a, a biodome situation. Maybe <laughs> I should run over there if something <laughs> goes horribly wrong. Yeah, well, if you think we're not running over here first. <laughs> yeah. You'll let me in, right? Of course, yeah. of course. Plenty of popcorn shoots. <laughs> what are some of the advantages of vertical farming and hydroponics? We can grow the same thing day after day throughout the whole year. They also grow faster because they are on lights 24-7 when they're on the system instead of mm-hmm. 12 hours. They're also in a, a warmer environment than they would be if they were outside in Seattle most of the time, and they're getting nutrient water. So they're growing about as fast as you could make them grow. It's also definitely more efficient with water usage. We cycle our water. If, if you were to follow one water droplet, it would land onto a tray, run down, run back into our basin, run into what we call the dirty tank. And then that will go through an ozone cleaning system, run through a sand filter back into the clean tank and then back to the plants. And so in that way, we're able to hold on to a lot of our water through multiple use passes through the plants. And it's not to knock traditional farmers that need to water the ground, but that water evaporates, goes elsewhere, goes into weeds and other things. We don't have any weeds. The loss to evaporation is very minimal. And so Mm -hmm. very efficient on that front. And then also what we were talking about earlier in terms of doing it specifically here, we can get stuff out the same day and it doesn't have to travel very far Mm -hmm. as opposed to a place that is an ideal location for farming, but is pretty far away from all of your buyers. So we try to really reduce the food miles. And there is a little bit less from having done both kinds of farming, definitely a little bit less physical exertion on a typical day <laughs> than compared to breaking up ground and pulling root vegetables. We are lifting little trays and then cutting <laughs> with scissors and then filling four ounce packages. <laughs> a more delicate approach to farming. More delicate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and what are some of the unique challenges of uh, vertical farming? In our experience, sometimes we will run into air circulation or disease issues. Like Ryan said, we do recycle our water. And if there is any sort of disease or contaminant, it can quickly spread if we don't get it under control. However, the good thing about growing microgreens is they have a relatively short lifespan. So it's easy to isolate any variable and then figure out how to fix the issue quickly. Yeah, there's essentially there's no rain, no sunshine, no natural nutrients. So anything that we don't put in or, you know, we are the main kind of <laughs> the mama birds. Yeah, and we need to maintain the plants or else they won't get what they need. So yeah. that's a unique challenge. It's so me. fascinating. You're in control of everything, but that mm-hmm. also means it's all on you to make it work. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. If the power goes out for a day, we have a big old problem. <laughs> <laughs> and a big old salad, really, an emergency <laughs> yeah. salad. What's something a lot of people might not know about farm box greens? We have hit on it a few times because I like to bring it up, but our stuff is very fresh. We are done harvesting by 1030, Monday through Friday, and we send stuff out the same day. So it's not exactly... I haven't followed it to the grocer and everything, but I could imagine you could get something same day or the next day that we had just cut and harvested. There is also, as a retail customer consuming microgreens, it's a pretty good source of nutrients by weight. It it might have 
up to three, up to 10 of times certain things that a head of broccoli might have. You can get from the bunch of broccoli sprouts and it is by weight. So our mm-hmm. stuff is lighter. I don't want to make any crazy claims here, but <laughs> yeah. if you throw a handful of that into a smoothie, I'm not the kind of person to throw a bunch of broccoli florets into a smoothie. So uh, <laughs> it, it can help for someone like me that needs to get their nutrients any way they can. Mm-hmm. It's nice to have it in a tasty little form. I do love those kinds of nutritional equations. Like you'd have to eat 70 <laughs> bushels of broccoli to get the nutrients from this. And I don't know what they are. Not, don't quote me on that. <laughs> but it is true that there's a lot more nutritional power packed into a, a green or a sprout by weight, which is really fascinating. And I believe also some produce loses nutritional value over time. So the fact mm-hmm. that this stuff is getting to people the same day is really amazing. It's getting there fresh and it's also our growing method. Everything is completely ready to eat. You don't need to wash it. None of that. You don't need to cook it. So it maintains that same integrity as if it as if you just pulled it off yourself and mm-hmm. ate it. You don't have to. Yeah, no boiling, no washing, mm-hmm. no nothing. So you don't need to lose mm-hmm. any anything from it. What are some of the best ways to enjoy microgreens? Some of the best ways that I enjoy them are, you know, I'll throw some pea shoots and stir fry them. I'll put arugula in a sandwich. I'll put some Micromix on top of some crackers and dip and you know, it'll be a really filling snack. So yeah, the possibilities are endless. <laughs> <laughs> the pea shoots on a stir fry are amazing. I've tried that myself. And also on the lighter, creamier pasta dish, instead mm. of like actual peas, just put in some pretty pea shoots on top. Yeah, it works really well. It's so delicious. Wow, that sounds good. I, uh, like I said, I like to put them into my smoothie, sneak the greens in. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, any type of ramen, but especially if you have like the the instant ramen, you can really class it up with a whole bunch of (laughs) micro greens Mm -hmm. in there. Yeah, some radish. Yeah, Uh they wilt a little bit with the heat. I am definitely that kind of ramen guy. I mean, I like (laughs) the good stuff too, but there are some bricks of noodles hiding around in our house. Sometimes my husband actually hides them from me. What are your personal favorite micro greens? And we talked a little bit about how to use them, but what what are your favorites? Your favorite ways to use them? My personal favorite micro green that we grow is micro. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a blend, like I said before, it's a blend of mustards. So it's super versatile. It's really great on any dish. And I mm-hmm. will just put it in whatever I'm cooking. Awesome. And I saw one of the ingredients on that is pak choy. Is that related to bok choy? Yes. Yeah. Highly related, as mm-hmm. a matter of fact. there's. I would be the wrong person to talk too much on this, but there is a lot of sort of crossover where it's not even technically different species between mm-hmm. like pak choy, choy sum, tat soy, mm-hmm. these sort of different varietals of cabbage type plants. They just vary slightly. And I usually it, you'll have the genus name, the species name, and then the variety is where it differentiates. I won't quiz you on that. There's no gotcha <laughs> questions here today. Uh, Ryan, what's your favorite microgreen? I don't know if it's the most exciting, but I really like our arugula microgreens. I like the arugula flavor of like adult arugula. And this is just that except all baby, all soft, no like overly spicy or going to seed or anything. And also because I'm the one that gets to harvest these things, the arugula trays to me are just the most beautiful, classic, just field of green, uh-huh. microgreens. Yeah. It's like a little pillow. 
They are pretty. And I, I found the arugula to be almost brighter and lighter in that arugula flavor. And there's a, like a slight sweetness in there mm. with, with that peppery taste swooping in for a big finish. It's really amazing. <laughs> yeah, we've had people call it buttery, call mm-hmm. it sweet, like you said. Yeah, I, to me, it's the best. It's not your mother's arugula. That's right. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with mom's arugula. <laughs> like, you don't know about my mother's arugula. <laughs> Are there any dishes at local restaurants that use your products in a way that you know of that really stand out to you? Yeah. Places like Bar Dojo, and they're located in Edmonds, Washington. I've seen them use our products in really creative ways. We saw that they made smoked uh, duck bao buns, and they topped them with our own cilantro microgreens, which was, Mm. it looked so good. Yeah, that sounds Uh, amazing. We saw that grappa in Queen Anne, they make a mushroom risotto and they top it with our micro intensity mix. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it just looked really good. Like it just looked delicious. It just added a little bit of freshness to the dish. So yeah, honestly, there's so many chefs that use our products in such creative ways that there's really too many to name. But (laughs) those are just a couple. Mm-hmm. And we will, of course, be sharing through our various social feeds where to find Farmbox microgreens as part of Seattle Restaurant Week and dishes that uh, come onto our radar that we track down. So that'll be fun to look for mm-hmm. and seek out. Are there any other resources that you would recommend for people who want to learn more about cooking with your greens? Yeah, definitely. The classic, the social media and the Farmbox website. I'd say the Instagram is going to be the most updated one and also sometimes links to other restaurants that are using our greens. Um, mm-hmm. We're not really cooking anything over here at Farm Bucks yet, although that would be a cool <laughs> pivot. But, yeah, but uh, seeing yeah, seeing what people are doing with it, putting it on avocado toast and soup and salads, and if you got on there, we could see your pasta with the <laughs> pea shoots, and I think that's a good way to get ideas and to see them in the wild, as we say. Mm-hmm. And there's. A lot of blogs and recipes that feature microgreens in general. So that's a good way to get just ideas. And then you can get the microgreens from us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's probably a hashtag, right? Hashtag microgreen. Oh, yeah. Oh, big time. (laughs) (laughs) And beyond watching for appearances in Seattle Restaurant Week, where can uh, regular people like me find Farmbox Greens produce? People can purchase our microgreens at various retail locations across Washington. Then that includes Metropolitan Market, QFC, Owajamaya, and so many more. And in addition, if if you are a chef in the Pacific Northwest, you can contact your local Charlie's Produce sales rep and they can provide more information on what's available and what we've got in store. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I can't wait to track down some farm box greens as part of Seattle Restaurant Week and beyond. Thank <laughs> you, Ryan and Emily, both for sharing your time and insights with us today. No, absolutely. Our pleasure. Thank you, Keith. Farm Box Greens will be featured as part of Seattle Restaurant Week at Bar Dojo in Edmonds on dishes including yakitori chicken, salmon kasuzuke, and braised short ribs. Mmm! We'll be talking with Bar Dojo chef de cuisine Luis Brambila in an upcoming episode of Field to Fork. And also keep your eyes and ears peeled for a special mini episode of Field to Fork podcast about other places to find Farm Box Greens during Seattle Restaurant Week, October 24th through November 6th. And of course, be sure to follow Charlie's Produce and Seattle Restaurant Week on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for more updates. 
Thanks again to Emily and Ryan for sharing the story of Farm Box Greens with us. For more information on their Northwest-grown, sustainably harvested microgreens, visit farmboxgreens.com. That's it for this episode of Field to Fork. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on, and be sure to share our show with your friends. Thanks again to our sponsors, Charlie's Produce and Seattle Restaurant Week, for this chance to showcase the people at the starting point of our local food economy, who enrich all of our lives by bringing a passion for quality food to our culinary community. Field to Fork is a Made with Bacon production, all rights reserved. Interviews have been edited for brevity and clarity. I'm Keith Bacon. Thanks for listening. 